alibi. Origin late 17th century as an adverb in the sense of elsewhere, from Latin elsewhere. The noun use dates to the late 18th century. Elsewhere is where I live and where I travel. Through the gloom and between the moments, I visit places, people, and occasionally things. I listen to their dreams, their desires, and I keep their secrets. And yes, sometimes I am their excuse. Hello, and welcome to Thursday, April 23rd, New Moon in Taurus, perfect for intentions of prosperity, perseverance, longevity, business, and security. Intentions on Thursday, which is Thor's Day, should be about power, wealth, success, money, business, or legal issues. And the presiding demon of this day is Marquis Gamigan. He helps with creative endeavors and provides inspiration. He also enables speaking with the dead. On this Taurian new moon, my thoughts are on longevity and perseverance, and my memory is drawn back to the experience of a boy I knew. This boy, we will call him D was a typical and average boy by most counts. The exception being two things, his love of the creepy and mysterious and his hatred of cats. Dee lived in a part of the United States called Appalachia, which is a beautiful and mountainous area whose residents are usually forced to live remotely. Dee lived in an area that was more remote than most, as some neighboring houses were accessible only by footpaths. You may find that unusual, but the people in Dee's community had lived in that area for hundreds of years and didn't think having to walk a mile or two was any kind of a big deal. One spring day, Dee had gotten permission to visit a friend after he had finished his chores. In the northeastern part of the United States, which is where Dee's part of Appalachia is. Early springtime forests are very similar to winter forests. The trees have no leaves, the wind is cold, and the sky usually goes gray for long portions of time. This is how the day was as Dee walked along the path to his friend. Now it wasn't unusual to run into a person walking the other way on the path or coming toward the path from deep in the woods. Taking a shortcut through the mountains from one valley to another saved time, and even though the shortcuts didn't have paths, the residents knew the land and their direction well enough that they didn't need them to prevent from getting lost. The woods could be surprisingly loud with birds and squirrels after the still of winter. 
But if the woods get too busy with human activity, wildlife get quiet to assess what's going on, and if it will be a problem for them. This is what Dee thought was happening when the forest around him suddenly went silent. But as he slowed his walk and looked around, he could find no sign of another person anywhere. He wasn't overly concerned. He knew that the forest floor and the soft undulations of the land could mask the movements of both people and large game. His experiences coming unexpectedly face to face with one or a whole herd of deer could attest to that. The sudden quiet had gotten to him, so he picked up his normal walking pace again and pushed on. He had gone about another quarter of a mile and almost convinced himself that things were perfectly normal. He could tell he was about a half mile from his destination by how the path had plateaued slightly as he came out of a bend to a long straight section of the path that ran about 300 yards and parallel to the creek. But there, up ahead of him, about 75 yards, was something in the path. He stopped walking and squinted, trying to make out any details. It wasn't a deer. It was much smaller and dark, almost black. The shape was unusual, and he wondered if it might be a turkey hen that hadn't heard him walking in the damp leaves. He made a low barking noise to let the animal know that he was there, and expected to see several more heads pop up out of the leafless scrub then skitter away. But he was wrong. Not only did the other birds not reveal themselves, but whatever was in the path never moved an inch. Dee knew this was a bad sign. When wild animals show no fear of humans, it usually means one of two things. They're hurt and possibly aggressive, or they're sick and most certainly aggressive. He wished he could tell what kind of animal it was. He hadn't heard of game fowl getting or giving anyone rabies, but if it was something like a groundhog or even a small dog, he could have a problem on his hands. He hadn't taken his eyes off the thing since he had barked at it, and he gave it another long stare before looking for a fallen branch or a large stick. His search took him a ways into the woods, but he kept an eye on the thing in the path. He found a large branch at the base of a beech tree, with smaller branches still attached. He hoped against hope as he took hold of a long, thick branch and braced his foot where it joined the main branch, that it wasn't rotten or dry and brittle. As he pulled, the branch resisted, and Dee smiled inwardly that the resistance meant he would have a good, dense branch to use as a weapon. A few stomps and pulls later, the branch was free, but he had to repeat his actions to break the smaller branch to a length he could wield effectively. His efforts successful, he returned his attention to the thing in the path which he hoped had crawled away during all the racket. It hadn't. Dee searched the ground around him for a rock. He found several quickly, then stood, squaring his stance, and with his branch club in his left hand, he threw a rock with his right, just in front of and to the left of the thing in the path. 
Nothing happened. Dee sighed, then quickly threw another rock, this time closer to the thing. Still, no reaction. Dee gripped the branch tighter and took a few steps toward the thing. It continued to not move, so Dee threw a third rock, this time making sure to hit it. The rock made contact with a low thud, then slowly rolled down the contours of the thing's body and came to rest on the path. Dee was conflicted. He was concerned about the thing and was seriously considering turning around and going back to his house to get help. But he couldn't quiet the voices in his head of situations happening with his brothers and the teasing and embarrassment they had to endure, some still to this day. He flinched at the thought of having to be the butt of his family's jokes for the foreseeable future, but he also didn't want to take a chance on possibly dying, which was a very real consequence of rabies. Pride won out in the end, and Dee cautiously moved toward the thing. As he was taking a step, he suddenly became aware that the forest had become noisy again, and he paused. His nervousness had elevated to paranoia, and he wondered what the bird chatter would portend. All kinds of conceivable horrors danced across his mind's eye as the sounds of the forest continued. Dee quickly turned in the direction of home, but then stopped and looked down at himself. He still had the branch grasped almost painfully in his left hand, and a good-sized stone in his right. He had intended to face this thing, to not only confront it head-on, but solve the mystery and continue to his friend's house where he would regale them with his tale of bravery. But now look at him. He was turning and running home like a scared baby. And why? Because he had heard birds in the woods. Dee pressed his lips together so hard in obstinacy that the flesh went white around them. He turned again to face the thing that was still unmoving in the path and approached it determinedly. He had gone just a little ways when he could see that the thing was even smaller than he had first thought, but whatever comfort he derived from that bit of knowledge faded when he got about 75 feet from it and could tell that what he had been seeing was a cat. Dee feared and hated cats. As far as he was concerned, the stories he had heard from the older people about cats being wicked and stealing baby's breath as they slept was all he needed to confirm his belief that they were evil. Slinky, sneaky, and mean creatures put on the earth by the devil himself so he wasn't at all reassured by the identity of his tormentor. He slowed his pace as he came upon the scene. The cat was half standing, half sitting, as if it had been grooming itself, then suddenly saw something it was interested in and started walking toward it. But its face was another story. Its eyes were huge and wide. Its mouth was open, 
and its lips pulled back from its fangs as if it were hissing in fear at D. D didn't know where he had gotten the courage, but he lifted one foot and using just the toe, tapped the cat. It fell over with a thud. D screamed as he took off running down the path toward his friend's house. His mouth had gone dry from fear as he ran. What had happened to that cat? How had it gotten to that spot on the path? Who or what had done it? And where were they now? When he got to his friend's house, he sped past his friend and straight to his parents. They tried to get him to come to the kitchen and sit down, have a drink. But Dee would only stand on the porch while talking over and over about a devil cat. Dee's friend and his father eventually agreed to go back up the path with Dee to try to figure out what was going on. But when they got to the spot where the cat had been, it was gone. This fact upset Dee even more, and they escorted him home, making sure to talk with Dee's mother before they started back to their own home. Dee's mother was a very level-headed woman. She wasn't easily scared, and looked for the facts and reasons in a given situation, instead of chalking it up to superstitious beliefs or omens. But this situation with her youngest son had her more than a little concerned. After talking with Dee, she believed that all that had happened, just as he said. But when you take a young boy's fear and personal prejudice away, what was left was very distressing. Someone had taken the time to possibly kill, but definitely prepare a cat in a horrific configuration. There were no taxidermists in their community. Then, whoever they were, walked into the woods near the path, placed the cat, then hid themselves in the woods and waited for someone to come along. For what purpose? Scaring someone? Scaring her child specifically? Or maybe something worse? There were maybe 50 homes in their community spread out over an area of almost 40 square miles. Of those 50, 12 of the houses were located at what could be called a convenient distance from Dee's house. If you counted only the ones in easy reach of the path and discounted Dee's friend's family, you bring that number down to six. If you're curious to know what happened with Dee and his devil cat? Did his mother find out which of their neighbors or family had pulled the macabre prank? The answer is no. Both Dee and his mother have passed and never learned who the culprit was. And now you may be wondering, why would I share with you a story that has no solution. And what in the world does this story have to do with the Taurus new moon? Well, I will tell you, but I am a bit disappointed in your listening skills. 
Remember at the beginning I mentioned about the Taurus traits of perseverance and longevity? In Dee's experience, we see an example of what can happen when two determined forces meet. Dee was determined to persevere and confront his fear of a most hated creature, if for no other reason than to not be made the object of his family's ridicule. But what he was actually confronting was another person who, through their own dedication to perseverance and displaying longevity for the long game, executed a plan that not only had more staying power than these, but also exposed a vulnerability. So keep that in mind when you prepare to embark on a new journey or start a project this new moon or in the future, and you feel you are committed and have the staying power to see the job through? These qualities are necessary for any new venture. They aren't an option. But just having determination isn't going to be enough when you meet an opposing force that has just as much conviction. In fact, your momentum may be just what they are counting on to ensure their success. Somewhere between the mundane and the mysterious, the privileged and the primitive, the divine and the damned, is the alibi tent.